0: Well, hi, everybody. Welcome to the second episode of Green Through. I'm here with uh, Fausto. Very kind to chase for your time. And uh, I think it'll be great to start with a brief introduction about um, your past and what you're currently doing, if possible.
1: Well, thanks for the invitation. Uh, my name is Fausto Carrita. Uh, I, I work for in the energy sector for 20 plus years now, uh, mainly in the oil and gas business. Uh, but lately in the last four or five years, I've been very keen on uh, on on renewables and specifically on uh, hydrogen. I got very interested in 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 this new renewable source mainly right. because my background in large capital projects in uh, oil and gas. I believe that there is certainly a a nice transition between gas producers or energy producers from fossil fuels into hydrogen. Right. So just to, to be ahead of the game. I, I started with hydrogen three years ago and I've been reading a lot and, and the, got to the point where I'm, I'm I'm ready to make some commitments if I can.
0: Right, right. Do you think the main attractive point regarding hydrogen is that it can blend in with the current infrastructure so you can use it with uh, the infrastructure that's currently being used by fossil fuels or so no, that is compatible?
1: Well, let's start with the characteristics of hydrogen. Right. One, of, one of the main characteristics is highly flammable. Uh, the second is that it has a high density of energy per uh, per unit of mass or, or right. volume, right. which makes it very attractive and very comparable to um,
0: for transportation, uh, right?
1: And, and the third factor is that any development of hydrogen will require um, a huge capital investment. So when I look at these three characteristics, I, own, I, I see one industry in the world that can handle the three of them, uh, and which is the oil and gas energy uh, type companies. Right. Uh, they, mm-hmm. we, we have produced, uh, transported, and, and, and used fossil fuels and high fuel fuels for many years. Right. We have built massive projects, um, just in order to the oil and gas industry invest above a trillion dollars in average every year, or more, right? right? In, the, in the good years, it's probably two trillions of dollars. And most of it is in um, building huge infrastructure to uh, produce and transport and treat uh, uh, fossil fuels, which are obviously flammable. Right. So we are, really, I think it's the ideal sector to become a major player in the. Right. Uh, and off the yeah. back of that, sorry, just
0: to interrupt you, it generates, you can have three way, because obviously it's an energy carrier, right? It's not an energy source. So, like, you need to take it from somewhere else right so you can either like there's three ways correct
1: so today we are talking about green hydrogen uh gray hydrogen and blue hydrogen so right. three different sources uh the most fashionable nowadays is green hydrogen right Of course. Uh, hydrogen, the, the, the the main source of uh, hydrogen is the molecule of water and the molecule of water is the most stable molecule in in, in nature uh, available in nature today so it requires a lot of energy Okay. So the the energy component in the industrial process of generating it's hydrogen is the one energy.
0: that drives costs up, right? When looking it's at electrolysis.
1: So if you use electricity in the electrolysis process that comes from fossil fuels, you are not necessarily the purpose. improving the footprint. So you defeat the purpose. Right. Like you just said. So you need a you need a cheap and clean source of uh, energy. And that's why um, Renewable energy became the uh, an enabler, if you want, for uh, for for the power, for the electricity process. Right. Which brings the second point. Um, one of the, the disadvantages of the renewables energy is that it's cyclical. Uh, if it's uh, photovoltaic, it depends on the sun illumination. Yeah. Right. So you don't have twenty four hours. What means that if you use that energy. To generate hydrogen, then the hydrogen become your cell battery. If you want, right? You can store that uh, renewable energy into hydrogen.
0: Precisely, and the hydrogen
1: could be transported and used somewhere else. But you have a buffer. Explain how the two technologies complement each other. And so that's the green green right. energy side. Then you have the the brown hydrogen, which is not the most. Um, or not the cleanest one, but it's the closest to the oil and gas uh, industry in the sense that, is. that it, it's hydrogen that is stored in, in, um, in reservoirs of hydrogen in the world. Very right. few of them, but they're they relatively well-mapped. And the, again, the oil and gas industry is probably the best position industry to, to develop that because first of all, we know geology, we know how to drill wells, we know how to exploit gases and so on and so forth.
0: Um, I have a question for you regarding the, the green one, right? Uh, because I was looking through the, one of the reports that you sent me and uh, I was looking at the role that nuclear can play in terms of being the the, the feed for the electrolysis. What, what role do you think it can play there? Because I was looking about SMRs, right? The small um, modular reactors. And I think, is that the same principle of nuclear or no?
1: Well, nuclear is, a, in terms of CO2 emission, is the cleanest energy source. Okay. Unfortunately, it has very bad press for... I know, I know. I know. ...everybody knows, the Chernobyl, the Fukushima. Um, it's crazy, but it's got less
0: victims the- than, uh, than coal and due to uh, either air pollution or uh, you know, all the breathing issues associated with it.
1: So if you want, it's a social issue. It's, it's rejected socially, but right. from an environmental point of view, it's, it's extremely clean. What, what that means is that if you use nuclear energy as a as a main source of energy and then you produce hydrogen with that right you don't necessarily need to be close to the consumers okay in other words you don't you don't need to have a nuclear power plant okay very close to where the consumers are because you can now transport the night the hydrogen okay uh, by ships or, or or whatever so i i'm personally very keen on that because i, I think nuclear is it's, it's relatively, it's, it's a cleaner than many other sources of energy. And there's abundance of uh, nuclear sources in the world. So uh, that could be one avenue. The problem with nuclear is that you need high capex at the beginning. Right. To build the nuclear plants and so on. But there are now smaller plants, smaller versions of, of uh, more effective reactors that probably will reduce the capex needs.
0: Okay. Okay, and I also read that um, also something that you sent me that two hundred eighty billion will be required through twenty thirty in order to upscale like basically the hydrogen horizon. And but what was more striking is that of that uh, is less than ten percent. So I think it's around twenty billion will be required to um, basically build. I think they they estimate around like fifteen thousand hydrogen uh, charging stations um, in order to facilitate the um, transportation application of um, uh, fuel cell uh, vehicles and I just thought um, like that's it doesn't sound like a high number to me so I just thought uh, what do you think about it I think it's all about placing in strategic points right
1: Well it's always the chicken and the egg it's what's that first is the supply of hydrogen or the, the supply of um, cars fuel cell vehicles okay so let, let, let's, let's uh, start with uh, the fuel cell vehicles. If you have a, if you are a, a taxi driver or let's say a Uber driver, and you drive many miles per hour, uh, and you drive high intensive uh, mileage per year, but you are required to charge your battery if you have an electric vehicle, you are required to charge your your battery three times a day, and that's literally between two and a half and three hours of wasted time. That's not very efficient. Okay. So if you convert that into a Uh, a fuel cell electric vehicle uh, the charging time is the same as a a normal uh, combustion engine so it's just a few minutes you just connect to a a hose and within 5 minutes you're out and if you have a platform to to pay then it's even faster so in the game of efficiency the fuel cell electric vehicle are going to be a lot easier Right, And and they are both Emission free, right? Uh, On top of that, if the hydrogen is produced with uh, renewable energy, in in other words, if it's green green, uh, hydrogen, then you are not really impacting the environment much. Right. Right. So, I think the um, the the now going back to the supply of, uh, of fuel stations or hydrogen stations. Right. Those those locations that have high Density of uh, populations where taxi and, and Uber are, are much in use, right? That should be the first priority. Okay, the second advantage you have with a hydrogen or a fuel cell uh, car is the autonomy, you can right. probably run a thousand kilometers with with one load, right? Okay, so
0: but the batteries are bigger, have- right, compared to um, the, the normal EVs.
1: Well, an EV, a good EV nowadays has 400 kilometers, right? Autonomy right.
0: average. Okay. It
1: depends, it depends if you ride in a city or if you ride in, in road and so on. But this, for the sake of the argument, let's say between 400 and 500 kilometers. Okay. If you can double that, then suddenly um, the, the big metropolis and the surrounding area can easily be attended by um, fuel cell electric vehicles. Right. And that automatically increases the, the range. Like for instance, of if you take like the UK, when you have big big metropolises, you have London, you have uh, Manchester. Manchester, yeah, and, and so on and so forth. Then you can start creating small hubs okay. of um, fuel stations, and all the high density mileage vehicles can slowly switch to a fuel cell electric vehicle, and that's how you create a, a small pool of of uh, cars that eventually. Expand and slowly but steadily, you start building more and more fuel stations. Right. So one of the things in the report that it's uh, written there is there are 600 fuel stations, 600 thousand, sorry, fuel stations in the world. Okay. Uh, Of course, you will not convert all of them in uh, in in, uh, on the go and, and and flip to hydrogen. But I pretty much convinced that if you start by the big metropolises. And then you start converting um
0: is it costly to convert one into the other because there's one in Cobham, right which i think was the first one in the uk that they introduced hydrogen as a as a charging point right
1: yeah that's a combination of um itm power and uh, shell they both partner together they they sign a, a a long-term agreement and shell has a, a, an objective to convert i don't know, have the latest number i think it's 600 fuel station in, in the UK into with hydrogen. Okay. So the introduction has to be in combination with uh, with uh, the fossil fuel stations. So people right. will have the choice to compare to hydrogen whenever they want, right? Right. But you use and this is another advantage for the major that already have the infrastructure in place, right? So and they already have the marketing and the access to the market and so on and so forth. Right. So I see that as a huge advantage for these companies um but of course it will it would be exp- it will be exponential growth it will start small and then eventually grow big the well, second I, phase for me the sec- which is very important is the massive transport that's so what i was instance, going to talk
0: to you about exactly yeah freight
1: uh, buses trains and all all of it right um that has a huge potential and there are really uh, several countries like austria germany that are converting. Not long haul, but medium uh, to short, okay. um, short haul uh, trains into hydrogen, and then the third wage will be the biggest consumers, which, for instance, the ships. So, for if you, and this is again, it's it's all brainstorming at the brainstorming phase. But if you if you can supply uh, big ports with a high uh, frequency uh, shipping industry, right. And slowly you start converting into into hydrogen because of the autonomy and the uh, and and the weight to volume ratio, hydrogen is a lot more competitive than battery, right? So because it's more know, efficient know.
0: by space, right? by you now space.
1: Well, it's more efficient than battery for sure, but it has pretty much the same. It's slightly higher, but it has a little bit higher. Uh, Weight to volume ratio than fossil fuels.
0: Okay, okay.
1: So, so for a ship, to occupy ten percent more in uh, in terms of volume to carry hydrogen will not be a big issue, right? Right. In a truck, it may be more more um, of a problem. More of a problem, but for a ship, it, it's relatively. Smart. but in terms
0: of like using it, as you mentioned right because you we you started small for like commercial use and you mentioned ubers as you start going up in terms of like the size of the vehicles that you're going to apply the hydrogen to so like buses trains and uh, planes and and ships like all the all the routes are sort of pre-assigned like pre-planned so even from that point of view in terms of like charging strategically and um, the logistics can be uh, managed um, a bit more easily once, of course, the costs make sense and the economics make sense. Yeah?
1: Correct. So, I, um, in, in terms of policy, and that's where governments can play a huge role, is they should definitely favor uh, public transport and, uh, and road users, general road users, but high-density road users like taxis okay. to convert to hydrogen. Okay one is because they 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 are the biggest consumers of one in terms of uh, mileage coverage right but also for the eyes of the consumers if you see that all taxis are converted to hydrogen all buses are converting to hydrogen that has a huge marketing impact for the of course the normal user right
0: yeah because I think it's also a bit of a a mitigation for the average person right so i i'm not gonna i don't know Take the gamble of, of buying a fuel cell uh, EV, especially now that it's more expensive. But if I see that the Uber I'm going to get or the bus I'm going to get to work or I don't know to go to the restaurant or wherever it's um, it's fueled by hydrogen, it, it's going to have an impact on you know what I mean mentally. And then I think the 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 transformation can take place at a at a higher um, scale.
1: But which brings me another idea. And this is all again brainstorming. Right. Uh, I think we're, we're
0: at that stage anyway. <laughs>
1: yeah. Writing on the millennial movement, right? If you, if you have an application that shows you what is the most CO2 friendly or a CO2 footprint friendly way to move from point A to point B or to go to a shopping mall or to go to a restaurant, and then you have an option to choose a Uber that is run by hydrogen or a public transport. And that is run by hydrogen. I would or personally choose it, for example. <laughs> then I just imagine an application that will tell you instead of what is the cheapest way to move from point A to point B, what is a more efficient way to to move from point A to point B. And that, that I, I'm I'm pretty sure that with the current level of consciousness, there is about environment, especially with the newer generation, then especially I'm the be, biggest cities, sure there, there will be people trying to to use that and and benefit, Undoubtedly.
0: Uh, Undoubtedly, because it will also unlock uh, a whole new market and of ter- in terms of data, right? So whoever will be running that service and whoever will get access um, to, I don't know, uh, that density of population living, for example, in that borough of London is going there, there, there. Like you can sort of gauge uh, and extract, extrapolate patterns out of that. So I think, yeah, the, the more data rich it becomes, the more it looks appealing to uh, companies, to especially for the from the technology sector to get in.
1: But I just imagine myself, this is again,
0: uh, of course, on the spot. I was
1: thinking that uh, through this application, you will know when you, whenever the next hydrogen run bus is coming, and people will be waiting for that. Uh, and if we are all conscious that this is the best way to save the environment, we will be waiting for the hydrogen driven uh, bus. Right?
0: Exactly. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more and uh, but i think it, it, it's what you said right i think we're at a at a level or at a stage in time where like we need to actualize changes as quickly as possible but you also need to allow for the average citizen to sort of be able to metabolize and you know what i mean take in and digest the, all these changes so i think as if you make it more and more relatable to um the day-to-day of an average person oh, i need to go to work and then afterwards i need to go to the gym and then you start introducing this carbon efficient or um, these decarbonized means of transport then i think um it'll expedite the process of course if it's the economics it makes sense right but that also will drive us to the next stage where it's uh, policy but um uh, i don't know if you in the reports you, you sent me they said that the 55 percent of the new commitments on a worldwide scale towards hydrogen are coming out of Europe. So with, uh, with the Green Deal, there's, um, there's a lot of traction behind it, right?
1: And, and there's a reason for that. Uh, okay. But there's several reasons. But the main reasons I see is that first of all, Europe is more environmentally friendly, if you want. There's more consciousness in the overall population. The second driver for me is that uh, Europe is the main importer of energy. Okay. Um, mainly gas from uh, Russia or the North Sea or whatever. Or LNG imports, and that is creating a huge bill for uh, for the governments, but also it, it's a sovereignty issue. So if you are a small country, let's mark or Belgium or whatever, where the, you don't have any fossil fuel power generation, you don't and have you any details, autonomous, and you want to be autonomous and you don't want to depend on on other countries to supply you with gas or whatever. Now you know you have a way. It's going to be costly at the beginning, but you have a, a a renewable source of energy and a renewable source of storing the energy with hydrogen that can be easily distributed, so that creates a major change in uh, in most of these country policies in terms of uh, energy supply. Right. Uh, so that's that's why I think uh, Europe is is driving all that. But the, the small Asian countries like Korea and Japan uh, are also in the lead right and they have right. invested a lot of money on, on hydrogen.
0: I th- it's the same okay. principle of europe right of uh europe right because they want to be a, like for example japan doesn't have it's not very fossil fuel friendly in terms of reservoirs so um they would like to get ahead of the scale of the oh sorry of the of the hydrogen revolution no
1: yeah but both of them um japan and, and korea are also very good in uh, heavy industry especially okay. korea so so for them to build massive infrastructure is it's part of their their culture and they will do okay. it so, so it's not a barrier
0: to entry it's actually a stimulus for them <laughs> exactly
1: so okay. it's these are ideal countries that that uh, can certainly lead the way right and I finally you have the Chinese will we, we are energy intensive uh, population or, or country um, and they have a big source of energy from Russia and locally as well right but they are always in deficit so to break the deficit or to reduce the deficit for them it's a big driver right
0: right and also i was reading that the us like because they obviously like for example in terms of uh, fuel cell like one in every three of the current available uh, fuel cell electric cars it's in the states but i was also reading that um they don't they don't lay down or at least they don't publicize their targets relating to hydrogen i was just wanting to ask you like what do you think that is do you think they have like a i wouldn't say like a hidden agenda but they would rather keep their sort of Targets or interests to themselves, or obs- observe how the the other players worldwide um, operate. For example, like China, you mentioned.
1: Well, the the case of uh, the US is 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 uh, different because it's mainly driven by by um, state governments. So okay. California per se is the driver in in the US for hydrogen, okay. and eventually you will have a, a bit of dissemination. But it's the only the only state that has made has made a commitment, okay. uh, not only to hydrogen, but first before that, to renewals. Right. So, and, but it's not the first time that uh, California is the, the head of the arrow, right? Uh, yeah, because they're, they're, they're,
0: they're running their own regional sort of carbon market, right? Along with other states slash cities, because, I mean, the capital in, in, in New Washington is not taking the lead. So they just took it upon themselves.
1: That's correct, and 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 to be fair with the U.S., they just came out of the, the shale boom that has created a lot of jobs and a lot of wealth and a lot of um, changes, if you want, in the energy policy. Right. So it will it will take a little bit longer for them to uh, a bit more move more that. Uh, but it, but it, it's definitely building up, and the, when the U.S. Uh, market uh, comes around, then then everybody know follows what they can do right. So exactly, they will catch up very quickly.
0: But off the back of what you said, right, regarding the shell uh, sort of, I wouldn't say fiasco, but they just, but it's sort of it's the same principle of what you said about Denmark, right? Going from uh, importer to, I wouldn't say go exporter, but become autonomous, it's appealing to any state, especially now where there's a, um, I wouldn't say lack of finance, but due to COVID, everybody is sort of short of liquidity, and um, now they've just signed off the financial stimulus package Biden in in the Senate, like 1.9 trillion, I think, and now it's just waiting to. Through Congress, I was just saying, like, hypothetically, if you were in charge of that, um, or, or I know that he has to uh, look after the jobs and uh, send checks to every unemployed person, but I was like, would you as a businessman, because more often than not the countries run as a business, take a gamble towards hydrogen and sort of ride that wave ahead of um, competitors? You know?
1: Well, when you have a high population like the US and you have such a large country, it's like a portfolio you have to diversify right? right you cannot just uh rely on one source of energy so right I, w- I will play gambles on all of them right Renewables, hydrogen fossil fuels and so on and so forth right and then have them competing one against each other and let the best win in the long okay. term uh, okay. so in other words if fossil fuel is still commercially viable today uh, i will let them uh, compete with renewables and and, and and renewables compete with hydrogen and right, let right. the best win. It's <laughs> be the most efficient way to, to make that happen. So the smartest companies will also bet on the three of them.
0: Of course, of course. And then you get the and, financial and, sector involved, right?
1: And then the financial sector, for good or bad reasons, will also stimulate one versus the other. And competition is going to drive costs down and eventually the biggest winner will or the, 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 the winner will emerge right
0: but uh, i think off the back of what you said right i think it's super interesting because the more i read around the subject and the more i read i i think the reason why we are at today because one of the principles of finance is the pareto efficiency right in the sense that the financial markets if all the information available is made available then the prices and it are just perfect in the sense they they embody and they reflect everything that is um, out there. But this sort of GDP-driven economic model wherein natural resources are not accounted for, or I wouldn't say appreciated, right, in terms of like emissions, then I think if you launch a portfolio approach on a national scale and you start pricing in carbon in everything they do, then. I think you know what I mean. You wouldn't be looking at renewables as the more expensive source. You'd be thinking, okay, these are competing. These are competing with um, fossil fuels, and then I think that's a fair market, in my opinion.
1: Yes. So the introduction of uh, carbon, um, the carbon cost, will definitely favor hydrogen and, and renewables, and that has to be introduced um, by governments as a as an additional regulation to steer the, the 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 market in one or, or the other direction. Uh, so the a, a greener government will will be more aggressive with the carbon tariff. Uh, a less environmentally friendly government will probably not so much. But right. I think be, there should be some agreement at the, the, the Paris Agreement level on introducing carbon tariffs and each government then should have the the responsibility of implementing that locally. And play with it, right? Right. Exactly. Uh,
0: no. 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 Absolutely. Just have a, a market. That was the point of the Kyoto Protocol, but I think it didn't. It didn't have any teeth because it, it didn't have any uh, legally binding uh, targets. And then Canada did what they did and sort of said yes, and then took themselves out of it. And uh, um, I was just thinking, like ahead of the Glasgow COP, the twenty-sixth one, uh, like later this year. I just thought. Um, I think since since at a at a policy level everybody stresses about you know what i mean timeliness and expediting the situation but i think as soon as you start factoring in emissions into prices then we're talking about a fair and open market and all the stakeholders will uh, behave accordingly
1: I, I agree with that
0: perfect and uh, but also off the back of what you were talking about before recording you were saying that now like, let's just come back to Earth, right? Because now uh, I think uh, everybody is sort of just jumping the gun regarding uh, anything that is hydrogen. Um, As soon as you hear hydrogen in a conversation, people are just reaching out for their pocket and sort of just blindly writing you a check. But I was just um, wanted to ask you is like, how do you filter out what's sort of real in terms of information and in terms of, uh, and sort of differentiate away from the hype regarding, uh, uh, anyway, an appealing um, option?
1: Well, it's like everything in uh, in uh, R and D, right? Uh, R and D has typically a ten-year cycle. Uh, so today, the hydrogen production is uh, with renewables or the green hydrogen is not economical. Okay. But there is so much money um, invested in nowadays. Will it will accelerate the the research and the development, and hopefully shorten it not from, from 10 years to something uh, smaller. Um, and for me, the biggest impact of all this investment is is exactly that. It's shortening the, the cycle. So in five, six, 10 years, or eight years from now, we have a commercial application of green hydrogen.
0: Right. And yeah, you were saying? And I think on the matter, because you sent me the reports, the, the gigawatt scale projects are sort of that's, that's the aim, right? Like uh, Australia with their, uh, sorry, let me read, with the renewable energy hub of, um, you know, the ambition of 20 gigs planned by 2027, and even Italy's silver frog of 10 gigs by 2030. Those are, I mean, unheard of, right?
1: Economy of scale will, will definitely improve your economics, but you have to build the capacity first, right? Right. Uh, if you, if you have an uh, in this particular project in the north of Brazil, uh, when you know you you will be installing 20 gigawatts of renewable energy, then your cost per megawatt is going to be much lower. Of course. So the economy scale of scale here is going to is drastically reduce your your um, your total cost of hydrocarbon sorry hydrogen uh, generation. Right. And then you have to bet on uh, more efficiencies in the electrolysis process. Right. Uh, and there's a lot of research on, ongoing nowadays. And if you if you bet on those two things, then definitely you're going to be a lot more competitive than a smaller project in Europe.
0: Right, right. And uh, and I think like do you but how do you get the finance for that? Do you think it's going to be a blend of like private and public money? So obviously sovereign authorities coming together with the, um, members of the private funding community on a. Wanna... Well.
1: I, I don't know the details of this particular development, but... No, I'm no, sure I'm just saying in general. It's going to be a phased development. So be, because renewable energy and, and, and hydrogen and so on, it's more, it's, it's more an annuity type of uh, investment. i foresee that the sovereign wealth funds could play a big role. Okay. Uh, the the Temaseg or the GIC or, right. or the endowments from the universities in the U.S. and so on right could be big investors in this okay. why because it's it's a it's a, an endless source of uh, of uh, cash flow generating right big capital TS, but it's it's solid returns uh for this type of investors uh and it is definitely scalable exactly so i i foresee the uh, the sovereign wealth funds being big players in this
0: right and also, like regarding like the learning rate of um, of hydrogen, just in general, don't you think that it's gonna like it's gonna keep up? Because obviously, for example, like for people listening, you sent me a report, two different reports, just to sort of see the difference in the numbers. And one uh, like saying that on the two years ago, what were the targets were, and the one that you sent me for this year actually delivering on the targets. So just I was just uh, wanted to hear your take on what the learning might be, learning rate might be in a year or two years time.
1: Well, I, I think it's going exponential. Like any new any new process, it starts slowly and then uh, pick pick up in pace and, and will be uh, uh, taking up an exponential uh, route from now. Um, I, I think the fact that, Ch- that China is involved from day one is quite interesting because when when they get into something, they really uh, go big. Right. Uh, it, in the past, we always rely on either a U.S. or the European Union being the leaders. But here the Chinese are going to pick up very quickly. And once, the same with electric vehicles. So electric vehicles really took momentum when the Chinese got involved. Right. True. And so I, for, I foresee that in the next five years, we will see a, a rapid rise in hydrogen. Right. Mainly driven by at source by the Europeans. But eventually the big growth will come from the Chinese
0: yeah which opens the market also to like developing economies to have their say right because as you said even for the ones that are importers or um more energy intensive they can sort of try to commission and welcome foreign money to house those big projects and then they'll have their say on the on the on the global scene right
1: so i i I attended a presentation by the minister of energy of chile okay and Chile doesn't have much gas. They only have a, a little bit of gas in the south, but most of their energy is energy imports or gas imports from Argentina. But I was quite surprised because they lay out um, a 10 years hydrogen strategy, and the government was quite involved in sponsoring some of these projects. It's all driven by, by private investors, but the, the, the government is really incentivizing uh, newcomers and investors into Chile. And when I saw that, I realized that for the Chilean, this was one way of um, getting energy independence. It's a small population, it's a small country, so they can really, with relatively small amount of money, they can really reach independence. But having said that, if that applies to Chile, it could apply to many other countries. Precisely. just a question of scale, right? So I was, I was, that was quite surprising for me and, and, and enlightening in the sense. Like this was two years ago. Right. I, I followed up with the Chilean story just recently and they're quite advanced. So it, it means that it can happen. It just requires the right policy, it requires the right strategy, and it requires the right environment for the private investors to come and, uh, right. and do their job. Right.
0: And uh, I think just sort of like on the, on the finishing touches I was saying, because I was thinking today when I was sort of looking at all the information and uh, on the gigawatts scale um, projects, right? The, the, the one in Italy, the one in Australia, um, if you could sort of put all your chips into one application, that hydrogen will be sort of most scalable in and sort of most efficient. in. where do you see that?
1: I, I personally like the, uh, the, the long-haul transportation, either uh, uh, maritime, fluvial, or uh, even trucks, uh, because these people rely on efficiency and uh, autonomy. Right. Uh, so if they reach long haul, if they can charge only once and do the thousand kilometers, right? Even if they sacrifice ten percent of the volume, the the, the loading volume, uh, uh, the the impact would be minimal, but the gain in efficiency would be much higher.